up for nothing under the soil in the earth Breaking through the rocks, growing wild and tall Till the buds begin to pop Pack me in a bowl or roll me in a spliff While you're breaking me down, you can feel your Hey, this is Ryan Heron, cannabis writer and advocate from Portland, Oregon. And I'm Amanda Breeze. I'm a cannabis strategist and aroma educator based out of Toronto. And we're here today to talk about all the fun stuff around one of our favorite plants, cannabis. Uh, we're kicking off season two today officially, uh, which really just means we're going to be taking a little step back from all the scent and aroma stuff we normally focus on and talk about bigger and grander things in the industry like cool jobs you can get uh ways to uh slip into the industry and get paid what you're actually worth increasing your value um cannabis industry isn't going anywhere it's uh in the billions of dollars every year and so let's talk about what it actually looks like to work in the industry uh, especially if you have a cool job and um making the best of that so Amanda, you've got a cool job in the industry. Kick us off. <laughs> Tell us what's up. I'm so excited for this season. Um, mm -hmm. I just think, you know, with it being uh, less new than it once was, but still quite new as far as industries go, a lot of what people have to do is create and invent their own jobs and create opportunities for themselves because they don't even exist yet. So... This season's gonna be really fun. We have like a killer lineup of really creative, interesting people doing really interesting things. Yeah, do I do interesting things too? It's one hundred percent true. Um, and it you you gotta get creative in in these parts. So what have I been doing lately? I've been teaching a lot of amazing sensory workshops. Um, so that's been probably the highlight for me this year is after launching our cannabis aroma wheel i've just been going out and teaching people all about smells using smells and cannabis and aromatics and answering questions i think that's kind of the funnest part of being an educator is getting to actually answer people's questions one-on-one -on -one during these um, workshops and seminars and speaker series so that's what I've been up to. Lots of smelling and talking. <laughs> yes. Well, I mean, that's great too. And, you know, I'm, I'm over here. Um, we went and covered uh, the degenerate flame off here in Portland for weed maps. And I went in there and stuck my camera in a bunch of glass blowers faces and got to see them creating all of their uh, really, really interesting and super unique, like collaboration glass pieces if you haven't seen all this stuff yet and you're a glass enthusiast, go ahead and check out Weed Maps. Check out just any of the DFO, the Degenerate Flame Off content. It was one of the wildest cannabis parties slash events I've been to because it was just at a big open warehouse where they had people working the torch like feet away from you. And then all of the like prize-winning amazing glass just went up on these like open pillars in front of everyone so it was a little bit like going to a museum where there were no signs that you shouldn't touch anything and then also if you're wearing a really big backpack you could potentially knock over something worth like thirty thousand dollars and ruin your whole life um so it was honestly as up close and personal as you will ever get at one of these things it was very cool Oh my gosh, that sounds so interesting. Glass blowing is such 
a crazy art because they're so aggressive while they're doing it and twisting it and using so much fire. And then in the end, it's like a phoenix, these little delicate, stunning pieces that are so fragile and so detailed, like glass accessories. That is, that sounds so exciting to actually watch people make all these epic pieces. Yeah. And I like, I'm a glass enthusiast, but I have, I'm not one of these guys that's poured thousands of dollars into their glass collection. So really around every corner, I was just, my mind was blown by what I was seeing because of how like rare or interesting or even expensive things were. Um, it was cool. And it's two 12 hour days. So you're there for a lot. So the night of like the first night people were doing like 20 foot glass poles up on ladders and you're just letting this like molten glass like nearly touch the ground but not necessarily hit it um and there's plenty of really good hash there and just good folks all around so um yeah it was really good for an event we've been to terrible events but yeah. luckily i think this summer has been pretty good to both of us i know you just came back from camp canna oh my god it was so fun yes it was so fun this is probably one of my favorite weed events that I've ever been to. I had to fly all the way to rural Alberta um, towards it was like Red Deer County. And um, wow, it was just such a neat event. Um, it was camping. It was a three day camping thing. They had really good bands come out um, from Calgary and just Alberta in general. Um, one of the bands was called Muddy Waters literally loved them it was such a good show so you got some live music amazing amazing food the food was crazy good there um things like they had a slow pitch day and i'm not very athletic so i was cheering for the sports you know on the hill and that was so fun to watch. And they also did a Can Olympics, which I participated in and came in third. <laughs> <laughs> yes. No, I saw some of this. And uh, Amanda was like, they stole the uh, the winning place from Amanda. <laughs> or maybe you did. Uh, why don't you just run us through just quickly the awesomeness yes. of, of what was the, the title that you were going for, by the way? Um, so it was like, yeah, Can Olympics. Um, there was a ton of rounds. Basically, it was all these different weed-centric competitions, but not related to consumption, which is like one of my favorite parts. It wasn't like, how many dabs can you smoke? It was more like, who can light a joint fastest in a wind tunnel? And oh, like, who can um, make the craziest bong? You know, so it was like all these like really creative rounds. And I was doing really well from the get, I was a front runner. Um, the final round was the bomb creation. In my life, I've made hundreds of apple bowls, used a lot of fruit. I felt really confident going in, like really confident. And then where I was sitting, a pineapple was right in front of me. So I was like, I'm gonna use the pineapple. This is gonna be great. And as soon as I started to try to suck out some of the pineapple juice from where I wanted to stick the bowl, I remember that I am really allergic to pineapple. <laughs> I was oh, so good. head in the game, ready to just win. You know, I think third out of 30 people, I was final three. So I was so excited. And then, yeah, as soon as the pineapple touched my lips, I was like, oh, no, I fucked up. Like, I'm allergic to pineapple. <laughs> so I did not win that round, but my competitors were fierce. And they did really good. And Corey, um, shout out to Bean Hub. Um, he was the first place winner. He was a, 
so fun to compete against. The whole crew was really fun to compete against. So yeah, it was Camp Canada was really outstanding. Really, really yeah. outstanding. See, and this is why you need somebody like Amanda in your crew because she can roll a joint in two seconds. <laughs> she can light a joint in a hurricane. Uh, and then probably she can pass that joint around a thousand times and uh, the it will not be wet on the tip. If you ever <laughs> smoke a novice smoker and you're like, did you lick this? What is, this is really unpleasant. Um, then, you know, hey, this this is why you need some pros in your in your ranks for sure. Yeah, this is true. Although I will say that I think the third round was a smell round and they had us blindfolded and they we had three cups in front of us that we had to guess which one was the weed. Oh, so, okay. Just which one's the weed. And when I tell you, I have never been so nervous in my <laughs> life because right after the Can Olympics, I was teaching a seminar on smell and I just was standing there blindfolded thinking, I cannot fuck this up. My reputation is on the line in front of all of these people. I was so nervous. Like I just was like, you better get this right, girl. You got this like pep talking myself because I was like, you you can't call yourself a smell expert. And, and then be like, these marshmallows smell like weed. Oh no. Oh my God. Yeah. I was so nervous. And to be fair, it was really tricky. Oh, One really? of the cups had sage and rose petals, okay. which is like, okay, right away I was like, okay, this is the faker. It's not this one. Then the next one smelled like weed. And then the next one smelled like weed. One of them was a nug and one of them was a grinder. Oh, okay. All right. That, like even thinking about it right now, I feel like I'm going to be sick. I was so nervous. <laughs> dude. <laughs> yes. Well, hey, I know you got it right because, I mean, how could you not? I did but get still, it right. um, also, yeah, very nerve-wracking. This is why all my my friends that are, are great at smelling, I did this to you. The moment you touch down, I'm like, here is an unlabeled jar. Tell me what's in it. And, uh, yeah, throws everybody off. I think that's why I do it. Um, yeah. And it, yeah, it's totally fun. Well, hey, speaking of, like, pros in our ranks, it's season two now. Let's get more sponsorships on here. You know, we've been sponsoring ourselves for a minute. The Centelligence Project is our main sponsor, which psh, that's actually us. Yeah, we do cannabis formulating for, I mean, all kinds of projects. Uh, one that Amanda just did solo just hit her site. Oh, yeah. You know what? We've been doing some really cool projects with Centelligence. We have been doing some formulation for some vape flavors, which is really cool. We've also been doing really creative, fun projects like our incense and different smell blends. So I love doing crafty little smell projects. Ryan does too. It's just so fun. And it's just also like a cool little giveaway for brands to do something different. Like, why not get creative? We're all working with a deliciously smelling thing. So yeah, we've been doing some cool stuff. You're just going to have to go to my website and see what kind of cooling, fun things I'm working on these days, which is emeraldtempleliving.com. But enough about me because we're actually looking for other amazing brands that are interested in being a part of our team. Um, so if you are interested in sponsoring The Smoking Spot, hit us up. Yeah, give us a shout. Um, we're we're doing some uh, some ads on the show now, and uh, you know, with around a thousand plus listeners a month, it's a nice way to get uh, out there. And we've got a really niche audience, so if you want to connect with those folks, hit us up. Heck yeah! And if you wanted to sponsor the smoking spot, 
your ad would go here. of the episodes for the rest of the season we will have guests and um talk to these folks about the cool jobs they have in the industry in the cannabis industry uh, mostly we're going to focus on the legal market but many of what we're doing and talking about extends to the traditional market as well there's a little bit of like jockeying around in the legal market where you can create more opportunities for yourself so we're going to kind of focus on that because amanda and i have both chosen that route. But uh, if you're just interested in growing and slanging some weed, like hop on here. I, like I promise you, you're going to get some good info as well. And then we will have uh, some fresh voices coming up too to kind of dive into their unique uh, industries that they've chosen and the kind of pros and cons of that and how you too can hop on and become like a, a formulator or a weed photographer or all of the other cool industry things that are available to us. Also, I just feel like right now, I've been hearing a lot, it's really hard to find jobs in the cannabis industry. And I've been seeing a lot of people thinking about or making moves out of the industry. And it's so heartbreaking because these are some of the most creative and well-rounded people that you'll meet who really know we, there's just not a ton of opportunities. And so part of what I want to do this season is inspire people to stick with it. You know, every once in a while, I'm feeling down on it too. Sometimes it's really tough to find those contracts that you really want, that you know are out there, or maybe they really don't even exist yet. So I, I need some inspiration to stick with it, even after all these years. And I know other people do too. So let's get inspired. Let's support each other in all of the cool projects that we're working on. The vibe this season is community. That's what makes this industry so fun and worth staying in. Lord knows it ain't the money. So let's keep supporting all of the other creatives. And I don't know, I, I say creatives, but I don't just mean like uh, marketing and content creation. I mean, cultivation is, is so hands-on as well. And there's just so many unique things we are doing that don't always get talked about when we think about traditional jobs in a traditional marketplace. So let's get creative and let's talk to some of the members of the community coast to coast. Yeah. You know, the unique thing is um, like I come from, I have a food background, like I'm a previous chocolate maker. So um, I'm, I'm coming from an industry that is really well established. Um, if I wanted to go and start making chocolate right now, I would probably have to apprentice somewhere or do what I did and just start in my, kitchen and then rent a space and then rent a bigger space and then turn it into an actual company. Like that was the only way I could really get in there. The one other chocolate maker in Portland at the time was like a husband wife team. They certainly weren't about to hire anybody to get in there. So, I mean, I think the main thing is like, just get started, just get into it in any way. I think that there's a lot of entry points. Like I think bud tender is probably one of the um, easier paths into the industry, but it's also one of the, one of the spots where I see people getting stuck a lot. I think a lot of people expect 
cannabis to have that kind of natural progression like many other industries do where, hey, I got hired as a bag boy and then now I'm a cashier and then I put my time in and I'm a manager. And cannabis doesn't exactly always work like that. You almost have to create your next opportunity or, uh, or convince somebody to give you a shot because there's just not that natural progression. So I do see some people becoming frustrated because they've gotten a job as a bud tender. They've been doing it for two years maybe and are sort of like, okay, well, what's next? Great. That's what we're here for. That is so true. Plenty of space to move. And in this industry, as Amanda and I know, being a jack of all trades and a good one actually comes in really handy. We've stepped up and done branding for ourselves and for other clients. Uh, Amanda's, uh, you know, done a lot of formulation of projects and products for, uh, for other companies. So you know, it's really just about stepping up and demonstrating some value. And also bridging yourself from another industry into cannabis. And like you said, you're, you were doing chocolate. People weren't just born into the cannabis industry, right? This is a whole new thing. So a lot of people are coming from other spaces and looking to make the move into cannabis or making the move into cannabis and having to really create like their own niche and their own area to be able to like bridge those skills in an industry that doesn't have that job position available. So, I mean, here I've seen chefs, for example, make that leap from, oh, I'm like a, a private chef or I work in a restaurant and now they're hosting events or doing private dinners because there also isn't a weed restaurant that you can just apply to and get a job in. So you're having to create these, these new experiences for people and sort of the gray that exists in the legal marketplace. And people are doing it. That's the coolest part. People are actually doing it. Yeah, every day. I mean, I'm seeing people get really cool jobs. I'm seeing people throw on super cool events. I, I Like you said, I think the can of chef stuff has been some of the more interesting things because you can drop in to Chicago for one night. And if you have a good network or you've done a good job advertising yourselves, you can have a little private pop-up dinner that ends up being, you know, 50 or 100 milligrams, kind of choose your own dose. And you can have that fine dining experience where you leave and you're totally stoned and happy and giggly and you take an Uber home because you'd rather not drive. I, I think that's super cool. Like those opportunities are available. And I think the number one barrier for these things is education. And you don't need a ton. This is not something where you need a degree, but you need to be able to go in and confidently be able to talk about how indica and sativa, the nomenclatures we normally use them as. Uh, you know, something that smells funky like a GMO is going to react differently with a lot of people compared to like a DJ short blueberry that has like a nice soft, sweet smell. So familiarizing yourself with kind of like the basic tenants and just a little bit of education, I think is really going to help anyone get your foot in the door. Absolutely. Terms and common language in the industry, which what I love is that we really talked a lot about education and terminology in season one. Like we really covered a lot of those topics quite thoroughly. So I feel quite strongly that season one can really prepare you for season two, which is now where are the jobs? What are people actually doing? What do people actually do in this industry? <laughs> Yes. Well, you know, if you're a weed nerd like us, go back, listen through all of season one. Your head's going to be full of all the jargon you need to step into that job interview and say, oh, yes, I, I really do think that this is 
a project that we should take on what, whatever it is, you know what I mean? Um, it's, it's all there for you. And then we've left a lot of, uh, we've left a really nice crumb trail of uh, resources along the way. Uh, Harold McGee's books, number one. I mean, we focus a lot on scents and aroma here. So that's the first thing I would grab. Um, the very first thing I would grab is actually the Scentelligence Project Cannabis Aroma Wheel that we put together. And this isn't just like a plug, like go ahead and, and find your own version of this. Ours is the best. It was built to be. But, you know, just knowing the little difference and nuances between the different strains, I, I tried really hard early on 10 years ago to just have like strain lineages in my brain to just be a bank of information. So when you were curious about what dog walker is, I go, oh yeah, um, Chem 4 by Albert Walker OG created by One Eye. Cool, let's talk about that. It's, it's nice to have that information in your head, but now 10 years later, literally 2,000, 3,000 strains later, I, I don't have the capacity to keep all of these lineages straight in my head. And now with modern breeding, th there's not a lot of value to that, but having that really nice base of knowing the difference of, you know, where the, the chem family came from and knowing about OGs and representing strawberry flavors and blueberry flavors and these really sweet melon and, and offshoots like buttered popcorn and things like that. Um, I think, really add value in any of the conversations I go into. And that's with cultivators, with, with buyers, with people who are producing their own projects and products. Just, just having that season one education uh, truly is, is a really nice foundation. Absolutely. And it, since its creation, um, you know, I've taught a lot of scent workshops and it is the, such a good way to connect the dots between aromatics in, in cannabis, you know, it's based on the science of smell. That's why we invented it so that we could help people with that tip of the nose phenomenon of smelling it, but not finding it. And it is such a helpful tool. I feel so great about it. And I use it all the time myself. It is um, a very cool resource to have created. I'll say that much. It's a must have. And it's been really fun bringing it out and showing people how to use it and seeing the dispensaries that want it on their wall. And really, it's starting to, you know, have some movement. And so that's been really fun to watch. Um, I'm going to add my favorite smell book to the list, which is Jude Stewart's Revelations in Scent. And I'm going to throw a little hot tip for all of our listeners. Our at Scentelligence Instagram account has been highlighting some of our favorite quotes and fun facts about smells. So if you just want to have some fun little scent facts for your next little industry cocktail hour, then you should check out that Instagram account because we've been putting some really interesting facts from some of our favorite authors um, on smell all up in there and we'll continue to do so. Even just like that little tip of the spear education can really help you like get started on the right foot. And, you know, here in Oregon, there is a, an OLCC handlers card and it's a hundred bucks. It's an online test. And then it's good for, I think, three to five years. And you just need that for any job where you're going to be actually touching the plant. Uh, so it's one of those things a lot of employers will pay for. But if you're serious about um, just job searching and being like a, an easy candidate to hire, having one of those is super helpful. It's necessary to work in the industry. So if you've got the extra hundred bucks and you're really serious, just go ahead and lock that down 
here or whatever your version your state or country has. Okay, we have the cancel here. Okay, and is it as easy? It's online. It's super easy. Um, pretty much everyone gets it. Uh, it's just what you need to be able to handle cannabis in the industry here and, and the retail side of things. So that's that's what we have here in Ontario. Yes. Okay. So yeah, locking down those things, they're not hard to get. It's mostly just so some regulatory body can collect your monies. Uh, but it's a necessary evil for working in the industry. You don't want your employers to get in trouble. Um, so go ahead and lock that in sooner than later. And then if I just show up somewhere and I go, Hey, look, I've got some experience. I've got some knowledge. I've got my paperwork in order and I'm ready to start buddy. Like I could start trimming tomorrow. I could start as a garden hand tomorrow. Um, I could start bud tending or even where I'm at now, like managing a dispensary easily. It's, it's just one of those things. Like once you have a few of those things out of the way, um, you know, here in Oregon, I think we have 600 dispensaries and 3000 farms, something like that. I promise you those numbers have taken a hit since the last time I looked. Um, but that's a lot of opportunity. Uh, I had a friend this last weekend whose boss had been saying a lot of disparaging things to her. She works um, at a cultivation facility and everyone kind of knows this guy's an asshole. So it was like, okay, I get it. This is part of it. And then finally he said just one disparaging remark too many and she let him have it. And, you know, his emotions were high. He fired her on the spot for speaking back. All of that sucks, but she literally had an interview the next day and they were like, we would be so lucky to have you. Thank you. And was hired. So it's like having those skills means you can pretty much take your talent anywhere and you should uh, find someplace that's a good fit. Absolutely. That's really messed up. I, there's a lot of those stories going around and it's just horrible to think that people get stuck working and feeling like they can't leave because there's not enough jobs out there. But I, I agree. I think they are out there. And I don't want to see these good people leaving the industry. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, honestly, this person has such a green thumb. It would be, um, it would be a shame if they weren't able to like cultivate weed on like a larger scale. And on that note, like uh, I have friends who have rose through the ranks to become lead cultivators at facilities, and that's really managing a lot. You know, that's usually a thousand plants, maybe more that's managing the people underneath you that are doing all of the, the hard work of deleafing and trimming and harvesting, like all very labor intense jobs um, that are all really rewarding too. So finding that spot where you, you can really like run your own ship and grow your own weed, hopefully with like just the right kind of guidance and the right sort of budget with the right people, I think can be really satisfying. And that's also the sort of talent that you can take anywhere as the legal uh, markets open up. And even as they don't, being able to grow really good weed is a hell of a skill to have, especially at scale. Absolutely. And there's so many places that are looking for cultivators that are like off the beaten path, like states and provinces and cities you like wouldn't think of. So I'm hoping this season we get to highlight some of those 
you know, less considered locations. You know, maybe it's not all about Colorado. Maybe there's, you know, a little hole in the wall somewhere in the South that's also looking for quality people and has like a booming scene, right? You know, you want to find yourself somewhere where you're with like-minded people. Yeah. And I mean, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago, that might've been Alaska. That might've been the Emerald Triangle, you know, where it's just sort of like, I'm going to go up to this place where everybody's kind of on the same page about like, Hey, the weed isn't really a problem and connect with my people and get things going. Now that's all over the place. That's Oklahoma. That's Georgia. There's people in Florida right now or New York city who are doing the same thing. And, uh, to a lot of my, like, especially friends who are younger and are in bud tending or um, dispensary management. And they, they kind of come to me frustrated, like, uh, Ryan, what do I do? Like, I, there's not a lot I can do here. I could go and manage this other dispensary. I always tell them like, well, how do you feel about Berlin? How do you feel about Rhode Island? Like those places with these new opening industries are just, they need the talent because what, what like, Oregon doesn't really have right now is money. There's not, I mean, everybody out here, they're overextended. They're trying their best to stay in the game. Um, but in some of these burgeoning markets, that's not the case. There's people like it was here in 2015, 2016, just throwing money at the problem to see what sticks. And so get your ass out there. They need you. Also, I think a lot of what's happening in the industry right now is it's a lot of it's happening through word of mouth. So I'm not necessarily seeing job postings on LinkedIn or Indeed or any of these websites. I mean, some do happen a lot for entry level, but some of these more specialized positions, it's totally word of mouth. And I've been finding over the past year, a lot of the gigs that I've gotten contracts for is from putting myself out there and just meeting people, going to events, just chit-chatting about what you do a lot of other people are there doing the same thing. And it's not all about networking. It's also just about like making connections with people that you would want to work with, that they would want to work with you. And, you know, maybe down the line, you get that phone call that they're looking for a blog writer or they're looking for a cultivator, or maybe you just see a company that you think, wow, I really like what these guys are doing. I love their product or I love what their brand stands for. And you just, you just send them an email these companies are not huge corporations. They're a lot of them, very small groups of people who, um, you know, the CEO might be the one checking the info at whatever website you, it could literally be them. These are small companies, medium sized companies, locally run, independently run. And so if you apply cause you love cultivation, they might not be hiring, but maybe they're a homie down the road is like a lot of jobs are happening in the scene and behind the scenes and not in a sneaky way, just because this is a new industry and everyone's kind of trying yeah. to find their footing and get their bearings around people they want to hire, places they might want to work. So there's just, it's very exciting, you know? Yeah. The industry uh, doesn't always go to LinkedIn. And, you know, hey, Amanda and I are all on LinkedIn. If you need us, we're there. Our skills are there. But I, I can say like, I'm not pitching a lot of work. I don't have like a portfolio that I'm sending out to people because like you said, it's word of mouth. Like all, all the gigs I'm getting are because somebody I work with in the past said, Hey, that guy, that guy did a good job. He turns things in on time. Go work with him. 
you know, and uh, just just those things have given us both a ton of opportunity that I feel like when I was in the food industry, it was much more like closed off. There was not so much free exchange of information. You wouldn't say, oh, Amanda sent me an uh, sent me her resume. It was badass. It had everything I needed. But you know what? I, I can't afford her right now. I don't need her right now. So I'm just going to sit on that one. In the weed industry, like you said, the dude up the hill might be like, oh, I really need somebody good. And he goes, oh, you know whose resume I just read or you know who I just met at Camp Canna who like knocked my socks off? Give this person a call. And I really like that you said it. it's not about networking. It's about what connecting because yeah. <laughs> all of the like dudes in at the Vegas shows that I go to in a you know polo shirt, they're sweaty and they've got a big stack of business cards. I don't know how well that's working for them because we usually see those guys and like wave them off and then go like have a good dinner somewhere. And then six months later, it's like, hey, I'm opening up a new facility and we need somebody to wash hash for us. Who would you recommend? And I'm not digging through a stack of business cards. I go, oh, the five people I know that could do a really kick-ass job, here's them, you know? Exactly. This is a non-traditional industry. It doesn't follow any of the rules of industry things. It's just totally a different vibe. And that's actually what I love so much. Um, the other thing I like to think about is like you were saying, sometimes you send it out and you're not in their budget. And so I always try to say yes to every opportunity, but I will, you know, people have been very quickly discovering that there's not a lot of money going around the cannabis industry right now at all. Um, so you might find a marketing job for a third of what they will pay you somewhere else. I just had a friend talk about working for a dog food company doing the same job because it paid three times what the cannabis industry is paying and they don't want to go into dog food. But that also doesn't mean you should undervalue yourself. And these are some of the questions that, you know, we're going to want to explore with some of our, our experts, our inspirational employees this season. Yeah. You know, uh, the thing that I would say to anybody entering or, or continuing in, in the industry is loyalty is worth a lot. But do not get too comfortable because if you get to the point where you're frustrated or feeling undervalued, then the reality is you probably are being undervalued. And the thing might just be that they that company has basically maxed out as much as they could pay you and as much as they'd love to keep you around for the next 10 years. That might not make sense. You know, I, I've seen Oregon's Finest is a really good example. It was one of the... Uh, better dispensaries to start here in Oregon under uh, the medical laws. And then when it flipped over to rec, they had a really nice couple of locations and they really put a lot of energy into their staff. So when I joined them to do wholesale, uh, they had a really incredible staff that was on time, knew what to do, knew how to talk to customers, knew how to bring a new product and vet new farms and get it on the shelf at a good price. The company spread itself a little thin. They tried to open up in other states successfully, I believe. They were opening up a second dispensary because of some problems with the landlord. So they had to close one and open another because of permitting issues. That place, I think, is still unopened. And so they just got hit really hard victim circumstances and had to lose all of their staff that had been on for several years. 
because at that point, everyone had gotten raises. Everyone was effectively doing the same job. They were doing a really excellent job at it. But, you know, from a company health point of view, they weren't able to continue doing that. Now, you know, that, that might seem like it's not very respectful to your employees, but that those are some of the tough decisions you have to make. And so all of those great employees ended up somewhere else. But there are situations like that where they're not going to lay off the whole staff and rehire everyone. And you have to look in the mirror and say, I'm not super happy here. They're not valuing me enough. I'm not getting paid enough. Now, if you've learned some of these like really valuable skills like metric, which is bringing on the pounds of weed from seed to sale, tracking them very carefully and uh, tracking them all the way to the dispensary where they're going to be sold at. It's a, it's a unique system. It's a pain in the ass. It's not fun. People do not want to learn it, especially like owners and legacy cultivators that have switched over to the legal market. So if you show up and you go, hey, I know exactly how this program works. I know how to easily move inventory from here to there and get it out the door and get it sold. Super valuable skill to have. And one of those skills that you can take almost anywhere. Metric is one of those uh, systems that Oregon has adopted, but so has California and Oklahoma and New York and Florida and 25 other states. They must have insane lobbyists that everyone wants to pick up their program. But it's just it's one of those skills. Like if you know it and you feel a little undervalued, there are plenty of opportunities out there for you, especially if you're willing to relocate. I'm always willing to relocate. Where are we going next? (laughs) (laughs) You know what? Very good example, though. You were saying like, hey, there is this thing going on this weekend. But you were like, look, it's not that far. And I could go and hang out with some weed folks and just kind of get some FaceTime. Like that's the effort you're willing to put in on your weekend to kind of like enhance or increase or just like hold your position in the industry. So I I don't want to say that's like going the extra mile, but it's going the extra miles. It is. (laughs) It's so fun, though. I love working in the weed industry. I love going to these events. I love meeting new people who also work in the industry. Like it's a certain type of person that sticks around and also tries something new. Like, like I said, all these folks are coming from other areas into this industry. Like that takes a leap. Only certain types of people will make that leap in their lifetimes to completely change their careers trajectory and work in a new industry. And those are the people that I freaking love working with. And also, you know, it's just, it's a plant. I love plants. I love this plant. We love this plant. It's it's fun, man. Like, <laughs> it's really funny because, you know, people say, oh, what do you do? And I say, oh, I work in the weed industry. And everyone's like, oh, wow, that's so fun and exciting. And on one hand, I'm like, it is. But also on the other hand, it's a lot of work and going to these events and being active, you know, an active member of the community is also a lot of work, but it's totally worth it. That's you always meet new and exciting people. Everyone has an interesting story. Um, everyone has interesting skills that they're bringing to the table. And that's that's cool. You always learn something new. Yeah. I, I mean, I will say, really, that the cannabis industry has been so much more welcoming than the food industry. It just is. Hmm. Like it, The people who have chosen to be here, like they made that choice. They could work retail somewhere else. They could do marketing for dog food companies, but this is like the fun spot. This is where we're at, you know? And it is really cool to like 
chop it up with the owner of uh, a farm and a dispensary like all weekend like I did at the Carefree event and really talk to them about this is like nerdy stuff for me, but like the challenges of scaling up their edible production and how how valuable that would be if they could get it to X amount instead of where it's at. And you start getting, you know, your little problem solving brain starts going and I go, oh, you know what? I know somebody who runs this commercial kitchen that does edible production. And, you know, I think they have capacity to like bring some more on. And then all of a sudden Joe's in the mix and we're conversing and, you know, you're able to like connect someone with someone else who's like, great. Now, now both people are, are doing well. This is the thing. And like you said, at some of these events, you might meet the person running the show. It's not just consumers that attend cannabis events. A lot of time it could be um, the person who's actually making the edibles that you love to consume. It might be, you know, the person behind the branding where you're like, damn, that was such a cool ad that you put on the cover of this magazine it might be the magazine editor like all walks of life attend these cannabis events and you might be able to meet them and be like i've always wondered how you guys do this thing and then they'll literally stand there and tell you there's the gatekeeping is really not as obvious as maybe it was a few years ago when things where people were a little more protective um i think everyone's really chilled out and really enjoys these one-on-one -on -one conversations with people like that they're happening. They're always happening. So yes, this is inspiration. This is the season. We're inspired. We love the cannabis industry. We want to celebrate the cannabis industry. We want to celebrate the community and the people and all of the cool work people are doing to keep the vibe going here, even when things aren't always looking up. And that's okay too. So we're going to keep the vibe going this season. Make sure you guys like and subscribe. Turn on the notifications. We really want to make sure that you are getting the full cannabis community experience season two on the smoking spot. Yeah, it's really great. And, you know, I think that every episode will be dropping in stuff on how Amanda and I have essentially created our own careers here. The... Neither of us applied for the jobs that we have. We just said, hey, this makes sense. People will get some value from this. And, and they have. And it's worked out really well for us. And we do things that pay the bills. And then we do things like the smoking spot, which is like mostly just for us to chat and connect with the community. And let's get some sponsors on to make that make sense. Um, but altogether, it's really just about like showing up and saying like, hey, there's there's room for me here too. And, and kind of seeing where you fit in. So I, I think that this is going to be a really fun, inspirational season for everybody to kind of hop in. Like I said, we've got some really great guests coming on the next few weeks who can talk about how they got in, how they created their own jobs, how they were hired. I think it will be enlightening. And I think when you hear all of these like relatively normal folks who do not have grand superpowers like popping in and uh making these lifestyles work for themselves i think it'll be like you said really encouraging so welcome to season two <laughs> you're here you're here you've showed up you in fact you're all the way through the first episode of season two find us at the smoking spot on instagram the dot smoking spot on instagram at the dot smoking spot um at Centelligence projects that's a good place to go and catch up on our scent based stuff easy enough to find us on on the instagrams that at intelligence where can we find you ryan 
I'm at the loud 100 on Instagram. You can find me. I'm sharing all my like food, weed, um, and coffee stuff. I've, uh, I've kicked off my coffee career more than ever. I'm roasting and working behind the bar at a coffee shop now volunteering. So that's, that's fun. That's kind of like increasing my coffee knowledge as well. I'm just load on all of these smells. Heck yeah. up. And um, you can find my Instagram at emerald.temple.living. I think that's everything. Um, we are really excited for season two. See you next week. Said no matter what kind of pain Any wish life may bring you Oh, smoke it up, pull it down and don't ever stop Well, you can always find your smoking spot Yeah, you can always find your smoking spot Hey, Smoking Spot fans, we're here to tell you about the newest launch from Centelligence Projects. Over the last year, we've created the Cannabis Aroma Wheel. It's a sensory tool designed to help connoisseurs take their knowledge to the next level. So whether you're a bud tender, dispensary owner, cultivator, or you just love the smell of weed, you can better appreciate the cannabis in front of you. Get your copy of the most detailed sensory tool built specifically for the cannabis industry and order your Cannabis Aroma Wheel today at intelligenceproject.com.